growth is important. I feel like you have to continue to grow to be successful in anything because you have to keep exploring. Like you can't just stay stagnant. You just want to do it your way. Like this is who I am. That's who you are, but you can grow within being who you are. Welcome to the Artist Development Podcast, where we explore the human experience within the music business. In this first episode, we chat with Grammy-nominated musician, composer, and producer Teron Creighton. Originally from Memphis, Tennessee, Teron moved to Los Angeles 10 years ago and has supported artists like Usher, the Jonas Brothers, Demi Lovato, and Post Malone. Over the past year, he has released two singles and added multiple credits as a producer. Teron is a remarkable man, so I'm thrilled to introduce his ideas and philosophy in this first episode. I hope you enjoy. Teron Creighton, it is so good to see you, man. It is amazing to see you. I'm so stoked that you were here. Uh, how has life been? Uh, life's been good. Life's been, uh, life's been, I guess, weird with the whole, you know, with the whole quarantine COVID thing going on. But, uh, or I guess we phasing out of there right now, but it's been good. Nevertheless, had a lot of time to myself to work on some stuff. So that's good. That's fantastic. We're definitely going to get into that. And I want to talk to you about some of your personal projects, but I feel like you, you really did touch, touch base on it is the last time you and I were face to face, it was at the Chase Center in San Francisco and you were on tour with the Jonas Brothers and that building had literally had paint still drying on the walls as we were walking into the arena And then, like you said, now we're here. And so everyone has had almost an entire year to reflect. How did you survive this year when you're constantly on the road in the last, I would say, what, 10 years? Yeah, well, with me, it actually helped me focus on some other stuff. Like I've been working on like production and just working to get better at producing and working to get better at just a bunch of other stuff, business. So it kind of helped me like, you know, take a step back where I'm not like, I don't have to be on the road. Well, I wasn't on the road because, you know, I couldn't. So that allowed me more time to spend on like business, learning more stuff. Like I took a lot of, a lot of like little classes, courses. I did a lot of little courses, whether it was for music production, music business, uh, management, all, you know, I was really just working on trying to just, you know, gain knowledge and better myself. That's something that that I've noticed about you just from what you share on social media is that you're constantly exploring new topics that are sometimes directly related to music and sometimes indirectly related to music. Walk me through why it is that you do that, how you found yourself exploring various topics and learning. Uh, I think that came from an early age. And also I found out later, maybe last year that my Granddad was like an entrepreneur. He was like the entrepreneur of the small town that they were living in. He had like shops. So I feel like it came, a lot of it came from from him, you know, from my family. But uh, growing up, I was I was always a loner. I was like, spent a lot of time to myself. So with that, I was always learning. I learned how to play bass because I was like, I used to have to like literally be outside most of the time. So I would uh, sneak inside of a church. <laughs> Uh, the church that I played at, I would sneak inside because I wasn't really allowed to go inside at the time, but I would sneak in there and just grab the bass and learn. And I would like uh, listen to the radio and then I run in the church to try to play what I just heard. So it was like, you know, I think all of that helped me like just from learning. It wanted me to learn more and just, you know, I guess living, 
you know, did the same where I'm just, I'm not just a musician, you know, I like doing other things. So I don't want everything I do to be related to music, even though everything is, you know, pretty much uh, evolved around that. I do try to do other things to help me get away from it when I need to or whenever, you know. I feel like we all have that center of something that grounds us and then we explore beyond that. It's very interesting because one of the things that I wanted to explore with you was uh, obviously you're, you are now where a lot of musicians want to be. And so we're almost taking a, a time machine back and looking at how you even developed into, into the person that you are today. What sort of technological or generational challenges did you face growing up as an artist? I guess my biggest challenges, to be honest, is when I was younger. I grew up in a weird environment where the head of the church, he was really, uh, let's say, not who I thought he was, you know, or whatever. And it was really controlling, somewhat abusive. But that allowed me to, even though I grew up that way, I, I kind of gained some some good from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do a lot of listening, you know. And I grew up playing quartet music in that environment. So, and I used to have to watch and listen, you know. So that that helped me grow up to being, I guess, a better musician because I always had to listen. And uh, you always have to listen when you, you got to listen to all your bandmates. You know, you have to listen to the music, make sure you, you know, playing the right, the details. It'd be like the small stuff. And then when I went to college, that helped. Well, Mr. E is what I call him. He's like the professor at, at uh, University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. He got me into the jazz. They didn't want to let me in the jazz band at first because I couldn't read. Like, and I just grew up playing by ear. Mr. E just gave me a shot. And he's like, just let him play and see. So they let me play. And then they let me into the music program. And then I started learning about theory, more about theory, which I had my books before I went, but I didn't know, like, you know, no guidance. I was just trying to figure it out on my own. But then when I went to college, kind of helped. And I was able to kind of like uh, apply what I was learning to the bass, you know, or to music, period. You know? So that it all helped me along the way. And the more it's really about listening. What I think, you know, the more you listen and the more you, you know, you kind of you'll kind of understand what you like your place with your instrument, you know, where you need to be uh, with the band. And that helps me a lot. I think that that that's really telling, especially given that what I found is a lot of a lot of great artists will will have one of two paths, uh, not not to summarize for everyone, but one of two paths where you're classically trained or you're trained by listening. And there's there's no right or wrong for it. You can approach music however it works best for you. But given the under your circumstances, that that was how you overcame the challenges, even just technologically, like just listening, you you would have to listen to a track on the radio right. and then run in and practice it immediately. Right. As opposed to today where you could you could play the same track over and over again, you miss a, a quick beat and then not a big deal. Right, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of that just sitting with the radio. Like I used to just sit with the radio. Sometimes I would, at one point, I was able to actually get the bass, bring it outside, and play it with the radio. I would like certain stations. That's when they had the cassette. I would like put the tape over the the cassette, you know, over the little hole on the back of the cassette tape, so I can record over it. And I would record like certain stations would play some stuff and I was like, damn, I, I need this song. So next time I hear it, I know they're about to play it. I'll just hit record. Then I practice to that song once I 
I was listening to another interview uh, with you and you said something that was really interesting to me and it really spoke to me, which was that you didn't just want to learn the famous licks or the licks that you were hearing on the cassette or from bass legends, but you also wanted to understand the thought process. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you even decided to approach it like that? I really, I really couldn't tell you where that came from. I just know like I always wanted to sound like myself, you know, and from since I was younger and I would play quartet, I, when people say, well, you sound like that, I, I didn't like it. You know, I don't know what's something about it. I don't know if that's like a, I don't know, ego thing or something. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I just know, I just always wanted to have my own sound when it comes to anything that I do, you know, like bass playing, if you hear me play bass, I don't want to, like, I want you to be able to close, you be like, okay, that's Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Not, not really. Uh, even though I love, I love Marcus Miller, and some of I can't do a lot of the stuff that these phenomenal bass players do. You know, however, and I will, I will learn, sit down and learn, transcribe a bunch of stuff. At the end of the day, I still want, I want to learn what they're doing so I can apply that to what I was already inside. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it can come out, you know, the way I would do it, not sounding just like the greats or my peers who are also great. So how do you not fall into the trap of a hundred percent imitation? How do you, how do you avoid that and still find your own voice? I think, uh, well, for me, it's, a uh, it's just once I learn, like, I guess the, the lick or the pattern of what they doing, then it's like, okay, well, this is cool. I like this. So now let me explore on this and practice other ways to, do the same it might be it might be the same thing it might sound it's just like it's to me it's just like producing you know when you hear an old song and people sample it then they bring it back to to this day it, they do it in their own way it's not even though it may be like this reminds me of this but it's not that it's, it's this because i grew up loving this music so this is the type of music that i want to make you know what i'm saying so uh it's just applying that that i guess you know, mindset to just finding ways to just practicing and theory helps, you know, because if you know that somebody's playing, oh, that was just like a two, two, five, one. But what if I played a, a one, uh, you know, one, two, five or, you know, five, one, two or something, you know what I'm saying? Just switch it up and just try something different. And with that, you kind of find your own voice and what you actually like, what is the chords, what kind of chords you like to hear what kind of, you know, licks you like to hear. So then you just, once you find out what you really love and what you want to do, you just keep doing that. Then I feel like that's where your voice comes from. Transitioning from that, when you and I first met, I guess I never thought of you as a producer. I knew that you did that, but you kind of, you told me, you were like, oh, I just do my own stuff. I don't really want people knowing that I do that. And uh, over the last, I don't know, maybe 12 to 18 months, you've been promoting yourself uh, on social media as a producer. So what changed that mindset into titling yourself as a, as a producer? Well, me producing, I think that's what changed to me uh, actually releasing songs and doing songs as a producer. It kind of changed my mindset because at first it was more of nerves and me not thinking I was good enough, you know, for, cause I've been doing it for so long. Like, you know, 
forever. Before I moved to LA, which was 10 years ago, I was making music, doing songs with with my friends, or I'll do a song for myself. But it was nothing that I ever like, I didn't want to get that label because I didn't want nobody to uh, be like, well, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I feel like it like pressure comes with it, you know, or I felt like pressure was gonna come with it at the time because I felt like I wasn't ready. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna say that I'm this because I feel like I'm still working towards becoming uh, better at it. Even though some people, you know, some people who, you know, they, I don't wanna say they're not that good, but they still working. They they do pretty good with it, you know, they still, you know, they getting paid and all of that, but like I had never got paid for a track or a beat, you know, and that was just because I just love to do it. And maybe that's one reason I never wanted to do it too, because <laughs> I was always doing it. I was always doing it for free, just because it was for for the love of the music, just because I love music and I want and I wanted to sound the way I wanted to sound, you know. But uh, it, a lot of that was more me being nervous and thinking thinking more in my head about what people may. Uh, you know, think about me saying, oh, well, I'm a producer. But nobody, nobody, you know, nobody. Everybody's like, what? I play a song, and like, what? what? Like, you did that? I was like, yeah, you didn't just, you, did you play bass? I was like, yeah, I did everything. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? know? Yeah. It's weird. I think that's something that a lot of creative folks deal with which is the imposter syndrome, or I'm still in the learning phase. I know personally, I struggle with it as well. So how did you really just decide to overcome that then? Uh, just working, just constantly practice, constantly making music. Like one of them, like I put out, I put out a couple songs just playing, not really, like jokingly, not really serious about being an artist, it was just me wanting to just create some stuff that I thought would be a little light during quarantine. It wasn't nothing like super serious, you know, but then I got like feedback from a couple of my like people, you know, that I respect uh, a lot of people, even like family and friends and other people that I don't really know, you know, they, they really liked it, you know, and one of the guys told me, he was like, well, Basically, all you do is just keep doing it. Just keep working. You know, just keep making them. That's what you told me. Keep making them. Keep making them. I was like, okay. So, obviously, I feel like, oh, we got some going. So, you know, might as well just keep doing it. I'm not. And so, those two releases were Candlelight, which I think was the first one that that you released, and then Orange Orange Juice. Orange Juice. Okay. Orange juice was first. So I remember on social though, I remember on social at one point you posted a screenshot and it it must've been for candlelight because orange juice, I feel like caught traction and candlelight, you said something and you were like, no one wants to talk about this when you put something out and it doesn't get the response that you want. So it was the Spotify. uh, Well, that was actually orange juice. It was the Spotify. Uh, you know, they do the end of the year. So when I put out, uh, yeah, Orange Juice, it only had like, like I hadn't, I didn't promote it or nothing at the time. It only had like, I don't know, like 10, 15 lists on Spotify, something like that. And I was like, that's when everybody was posting all their numbers. Everybody had like 200,000, like millions, you know, a bunch of people that I follow. Oh, my dog. Uh, I love Relax, please. <laughs> Sorry. 
All right, so a lot of the people that I follow are professionals, you know? They are, I follow a lot of professionals, most of the people that I love uh, to listen to, or a lot of people that are great at what they do, you know what I'm saying? And that's purpose, I do that on purpose, you know? I don't really follow people who, you know, not really got nothing going. With that being said, like I see a bunch, like I see the big numbers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I see like the huge numbers where it's like, they breaking records, like, Bunch of people I see breaking records, winning Grammys, and you know I see all this on my timeline. So I feel like that that, that helps me though. But I posted like nobody really want to post these numbers because I'm sure some people probably was nervous. They didn't want to, or they thinking like, well I ain't doing nothing because like no, nah, the art is the art. You know, the um, I feel like it's just really promotion. You have to promote it. You know, get your get your stuff on some playlists, and then you can get those same numbers that the other people. But I wasn't really promoting because it wasn't, I'm not an artist. For me. It was like, I'm just having fun and doing music. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want people to take it as if I was being an artist. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of wanted to keep it lighthearted and light, like just light, where it wasn't like, yo, I've got a song coming out. Like, I didn't want to promote it like a month ahead of time. I was like, no, I did when I, I asked people on my story, should I do a song? Because I was just playing around singing. It's like, yeah, I was like, all right, cool. I think I said that on Tuesday. I already had started to beat a little bit, and I just wrote the song that night. Uh, I called my homie JB, Orange Juice, talking uh, And then it was out Saturday. It did everything, that, but it was for fun. Like, I wasn't trying to. You know, otherwise, I could have I took uh, two weeks to do it, I could have released it in a month. So it was the same thing for Candle. I was like, should I do another song on my story? 100% of the people said yes. Yeah. So I was like, cool. I think it was the same thing. I think I started on it Monday or Tuesday, and uh, it was out Friday. So it was, you know, it was all just for fun and the love. It wasn't like you trying to <laughs> an artist. It sounds like the goal of what you were looking to accomplish was accomplished. Yeah, and just doing, you know, just letting people hear it. Because I have songs, I, I have songs I could have put out before those, you know what I'm saying? That's just on my computer, but I was like, nah, let me just do something a little bit more, a little light, you know? It's like people like, orange juice, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was like, let me just do some fun. Even when I when I wrote it, I was laughing. I was like, this is funny. <laughs> I was literally- yeah as long as you're having fun man that's that's really that that was exactly what you were looking to set out and accomplish so a a hands down like a success you've described yourself as a late bloomer with music and now you find yourself discovering new music that was released however long ago but it's not exactly recent so what are some artists uh or songs that you've discovered in the past few years that have changed your approach your view on music man it's so much uh like i'm still as far as like the greats i'm still going back to, to stevie prince tribe called quest wu-tang man it could go it go forever Whitney houston uh Every, like, I listen to everything, like, trying to just, you see, like, my playlist, you'd be like, what is wrong with this dude? Like, I listen to anything. Like, I was listening to classical the other day because I've been working on this. Currently, I'm listening to classical because they, I'm working on R&B, so I'm listening to classical and a little 
gospel and stuff like that, just getting different ideas, just trying to come up with something uh, and find a new, a new sound, but a familiar sound, if that makes sense. Like something that sounds familiar, but it's still fresh and new, you know what I'm saying? So I just do a lot of digging. Like, uh, you might, I might find something that just an artist that is, you know, you never heard of something like that. I don't know. But I do a lot of digging. And a lot of it, most of it is like famous, like, or people that you would know because I know they have so much music that I haven't tapped into. So it's like I have, I go back and listen to albums. Like I listen to the whole album. I'm like, oh, this is a good one. And I like to see how they develop or what they stepped was during their, you know, time. So they from their first album to, to now, like, did they change anything like close to and like we're doing that you can kind of hear like the different approaches that they, t- they took you know what I'm saying Kanye is a perfect example too like, from college dropout to now you can hear where he had you know just different ideas you can tell like where he was going with it from I think Jesus Heartbreak 808 um you can tell, I think one of them was like a sense driven, you know, 808. And you had, a, you know, it was just, I just love listening to it. Just, I listen to people whole <laughs> catalogs just for, you know, studying purposes. Like I follow on Spotify, I have these playlists where I follow. It's like, a, like it's everything that's produced by Diddy, everything that's produced by Quincy Jones, everything that's produced by. Whatever producer that I like, I find it. You know, so I find uh, that playlist, and I'll just sit and listen to that playlist. And then within that, you can hear the similarities of their whole catalog, but with different artists, which is crazy. Cause I'm like, I was like, okay, this is dope, but you can tell it's who it is. You know what I'm saying? Like you could tell that it's Quincy Jones, even if it was Michael Jackson or George Benson. But you can tell that Quincy Jones did that music. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's something that this project as a whole is is aiming to explore, which is that there's so much interconnectedness in the world in general. Music obviously connects to people. A lot of the lessons that you apply in music or making it in the music business can be applied elsewhere. Sure. It's interesting to hear when you talk about famous producers or you listening to back catalogs because it's exactly what other people do in other industries, but no one really talks about it for music um, in the sense that everything is interconnected. At the same time, I think exploring beyond the genre that you find yourself in can lead to a lot of different roads or avenues that will eventually circle back to the, to the genre that you love. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Like, and you just put all of that in one pot and this work, that will make you, you know, I guess the, the natural sound of you know, your sound, I guess. Yeah, you are right. I don't know why people don't, I feel like maybe producers talk about it, I'm not sure. But it's definitely a conversation because everything is definitely connected. You know, and it all becomes just one. Something that I had a lot of fun with on your on your social media feed, which was the uh, base giveaway quiz. Talk to me about the importance of mentorship and giving back to the community and how you see that. Well, I think is I think it's very important. One thing uh, because I know how I grew up. You know, I didn't really have 
growing up, I did have, I guess it was something like a mentor, but uh, I wasn't really given a whole lot. I was given one of my first real bases. I like, I, like what I call my real base, it was a PV series, but I've, I had to buy my bases when I was in college because I didn't have anything. And I, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I grew up, the base I grew up playing, it wasn't mine. Like, I, I never had on the base until, like, and then I started doing gigs for money. It was crazy. I was like, what? I didn't know I could get paid to do this. I started playing in church, I think, my first. I was like, wow, I get paid. So I started making the money. Then I looked on eBay looking for a base. I'm like, man, I can't afford these. Then I saw one for, like, 150 like, 300 I think I bought one for 150 first time. And then the second, I was like, I need a new one. This ain't it. <laughs> and I got it for 300 and they both was really not that good. But they got the job doing. I was able to, you know, practice, learn on it until, you know, I was able to do, get other things. I Now I think I've received, like, three bases from Fender uh, uh, recently, over the past two or three years. And that's to think about. As a bass player, it's kind of crazy, you know, to be like, dang, they just gave it to you? Like, yeah, Fender, you know, D'Angelico, and a couple more Gibson, you know. So with that, I feel like I was given the opportunity to get these basses. I can't play them all at once. You can, I can only play one. So I feel like at the time, I felt like it was, I'm sure it was somebody out there who who needed who's in similar situations, who can't afford it, who, or maybe in college and need something to play. You know? It's like, why not give them something of value, you know, like an actual really good base. And it was a, like one of the most, one of the more expensive ones. Cause actually the cheap ones that I have, I like that one. <laughs> I love that base, but you know, people don't look at it the same way I look at it. So I feel like they would enjoy the other one more because it's, you know, it looks good and it, it costs a little bit more. You know, so they might like it. Not having mentors, what I've seen is sometimes the mentors that you end up having are uh, projects like like what you're doing right now, which is exploring back catalogs and piecing information together and and books and uh, all of the information that you read and digest. And then you catch on to a, a handful of people and then you you know that you're a, a big fan of that person. And so it's almost like a, a mentorship through through a, a looking glass. No doubt. And I played at this church for like seven, five, six, seven years, something like that. Uh, Pastor Nissan Stewart. I don't know if you know Nissan, uh, but I learned a lot from being there, even though I, like, I wasn't around them a lot. But I learned just by watching and listening. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like more of a uh, indirect, indirect learning. I felt like they was teaching me, but not really holding my hand or like, come on, bro, it's good. It was like it was like, nah, it's just seeing how they how they move, how they operate their business, and how they, you know, professionalism and how they able to do so much with the time that they have. It's like, well, you know, I feel like, well, why am I like not doing nothing right now? I need to be working or something. You know what I'm saying? So I spent a lot of time thinking like this. So. That made me want to work. Like I was, I got a lot of that mentorship just from uh, when I first moved to LA. Gordon Campbell was like, I see, he saw that I was quiet. He was like, I see that you're quiet, but I see that you, you know, you be listening. He was like, stay that way. I was like, yes, sir. And I just never, I, but I never wanted to change. Either. 
So it's always been that. So I've had mentors and people talk to me all the time, stuff like that. Uh, but it was never like where, I don't know. So yeah, I've, I guess I've had mentorship just indirectly, you know, where they not, they not calling me every day or, you know, making sure I'm doing this or doing that. But they do, you know, they give the information. So I guess it's up to me what I do it. When did you realize like mentality and how that plays a role in uh, finding success? I think it's just a bunch of just, I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, uh, I think it just comes from me just constantly doing, doing that work. You know, it wasn't like something that clicked in my head. It was like, oh, this is the way to do it. It's always been like, I'm watching other people, even from like my favorite bass players growing up or, from my favorite artists, like I look at these movies and bi- biographies or read biography or or whatever it is. I read I read books like I read this book years ago when it first came out. It was a, I can't think of his name. Famous bass player, one of my favorite bass players ever, and I can't think of his name right now. I'm terrible, but he was the MD for Whitney Houston. Uh, he wrote this book called. No, no traffic on the extra mile. It was an incredible book, and just reading, doing a lot of reading and and studying, I guess people, you know, like habits. And just trying to find my way into this and not be, uh, just really, you know, live my own life within that. I gotta think of this name, Marty. I gotta find it so people can know. I'll, I'll be sure to add it in the notes as well, but uh, I have a couple more for you, which is what does having a growth mindset mean to you? What it means to me, it means a, it means a lot, but a growth mindset is, I feel like every day is something to learn. You, know? you, you always have, you got something. It's something that you can you, I don't ever feel like I, I know it all when it comes to anything, base plan, producing, just me doing whatever, like chores, simple chores or whatever. There's something in there I can learn. I feel like I can learn from anybody. Like I don't, I don't be like, well, sometimes I, I'll be like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I'll still just check it out and just see, you know, it's, it's a lesson in there somewhere, whether it's a lesson of me saying, don't do that. <laughs> or it's a lesson of me just saying, okay, maybe I should do it a different way. You know what I'm saying? So uh, growth is growth is important. I feel like you have to continue to grow to be successful in anything, you know, because you have to keep exploring. Like you can't just stay stagnant, just want to do it your way. Like this is who I am. That's who you are, but you can grow within being who you are. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I think uh, no matter what, you can look for improvements uh, in in what you do, you can find lessons in things that are seemingly unrelated. It goes back to the interconnectedness. You know, there's there's always something to learn. Oh, for sure, no doubt. Like, yeah, and that goes like producing for real. You can you can hear like the difference between stuff from years ago and now. It's like, you know, even though you were like you listen to his music, uh, like friend, I think that's the one he said was like. He did it for Prince or something. But it's crazy because it's like he would make a track based off of the stuff he loved. But then you can hear like constant growth 
within his production, you know, over the years, or it isn't. Or it's growth because he decided to do something different. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll switch it up. And you know, it's just like it'd be like something you never heard before. Because and that that inspires me to grow, just listening to stuff like that or just whatever, just daily. This is dope. I wanna be one of those guys to constantly explore and but it's great, you know, not just something weak. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So last question for you, which is what does being happy and healthy mean to you? Being happy and healthy means um, happy. Happiness to me is knowing my, my people are good, my family, my friends, my colleagues, whoever, everybody, really, just the world. Uh, I like to see people. I like to see other people happy, you know. When I play my music for people, I like to see people smile. Like, you know, if you smile, then that makes me feel good. I mean, you you get a feeling from it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that that brings, I feel like happiness and smiling and laughing brings good health. You know what I'm saying? But of course, it's important to take care of your body when it comes to eating good. Like, you have to eat right, work out, and do all this, you know, to make sure that you stay in good health. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it means everything. It means everything. Well, I think that's the perfect way to end for this this in this initial podcast. And so, thank you so much, Tron. I really appreciate you taking the time with us. No problem. No Anytime. Sure. I hope y'all enjoyed the first episode of the Artist Development Podcast. You can follow Tehran on social media at Tehran Creighton. You can support the show by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite listening platform and following us on Instagram at artist.dev.